Good day to Kingdom family. Today we are going to deal with John chapter 5. Now, John chapter 5 is the first chapter in the Gospel of John that becomes a little bit more technical. So what I want to do, instead of reading a lot of verses, I'm basically going to give an overview and then lift out certain verses that we are going to discuss. Uh, in John chapter 5, we have foundational truths, or then I like to refer to them as kingdom principles that you need to build on because the rest of the gospel is really built on chapter 5. And you're going to see what I mean by that. Because it's at this particular point where Jesus is starting to express himself a little bit more in public. And we're going to see that there's a progression and he's building up to a crescendo towards the end of uh, the gospel of John. Now, we will remember in chapter 2 of John, we saw the first miracle in Cana of Galilee, where it was more of a private, secluded miracle. It wasn't so public. Um, only a few people knew about it. And then in John chapter 4, we saw a distance miracle, or I like to refer to it as a prophetic miracle, where Jesus spoke the word and the man in a distance was healed. And then in chapter 5 now, we're going to look at an in-person miracle or a public platform miracle where Jesus is more out in the open and he's performing this particular miracle. Now, in John chapter 5, we know that the Bible tells us about Jesus going to this feast and he gets to the pool of Bethesda. Um, again, there were five porches, again, the number of grace. And it says in verse 3, In these lay a great number of sick folk, some blind, some crippled, and some paralyzed or shriveled up, waiting for the bubbling up of the water. Now, isn't this interesting? Jesus gets to the pool of Bethesda where there's a bubbling up of the water once in a while. Now, note verse 4 is, is not in most of the manuscripts. So where it says the angel comes and he stirs the water. Now, that's not in the original scripts. Uh, so what we're going to do in order to stay true to the story and the text, the water was stirred at some point, And then the first person that got into it got healed. That's the gist of the story. So at this particular point in time, Jesus comes there. And he sees this man that had been there for a long time and he addresses the person and he basically asks him, um, do you want to be healed? Now, guys, don't you think that sometimes the questions that Jesus asked were very rhetorical? Do you want to be healed? Now, the response of this man is interesting. He doesn't say to Jesus, man, I've been here so long. It would be so awesome for me just to get out of here. Yes, I want to be healed. Instead, he says, well, there's nobody to put me in the water and... In, in a sense, he's kind of making an excuse. But the same man later on, even after he's healed, and the Pharisees question him, he actually points to Jesus and in a sense blames Jesus that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. <laughs> and we have no record in Scripture in chapter 5 that he ever comes to Jesus and shows gratitude, that he comes to say thank you. And we know how important that is. And I just sense today that I need to pray for people who are sick. I need to pray for people who are battling with, with issues in their body. And we're going to trust the Lord together for healing for you. So as we carry on in this particular chapter, we should note that there were many other people as well laying at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus only heals one of them. Have you perhaps thought about it, maybe even asked the question, why didn't Jesus on this day heal all of them? He had the... He had the perfect opportunity. What is the, what is the answer here? What is the reason that, just, that Jesus didn't heal all of them? I believe the answer is this, that it's a reminder to us that at that time, at that particular point in his mission and ministry, miracles were not the real purpose of why he was there. 
He wanted them to see him and him whom he represented instead of people only believing in him because of the signs and the miracles. So Jesus heals this man. He rolls up his mat and he walks out of there. The Pharisees confront him now in verse 10. It says, So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. And you have no right to pick up your bed. It is not lawful. Why did they say it's not lawful? Because they were full of the law that no works were supposed to be done on the Sabbath. And Jesus goes and he heals on the Sabbath. In verse 11, he answered them, the man who healed me and gave me back my strength, he himself said to me, pick up your bed and walk. So now Jesus uh, enters the scene and now we have where the Jews and Jesus are now at loggerheads. And by the way, when Jesus uses the phrase the Jews, he's actually typically meaning the religious leadership in Jerusalem. So in this case, the Jews seem more upset that Jesus has disturbed the Sabbath than amazed at this miracle that had taken place. Why? Because they preferred their law over liberty. They chose religion over restoration. They chose the Sabbath over the Savior. They went by the book instead of seeing the blessing. They observed the day instead of seeing the deliverer. They were stuck in their ways instead of seeing him who was the way. And they obviously also object to Jesus' claim to be equal with God. And this will become a major accusation later in this chapter and also obviously later in the gospel. What I want to do now is, again, let's just look at the scriptures. And we're going to look at verse 16. It says, For this reason, the Jews began to persecute and annoy and torment Jesus and sought to kill him because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus heals on the Sabbath. They plan to kill him. The plans to kill him is happening on the Sabbath. How's the contrast there? I mean, they look at Jesus, they bring him down, and they, they're all over him because he healed on the Sabbath, but they want to kill him. In verse, verse 18, it says, This made the Jews more determined than ever to kill him, to do away with him, because he not only was breaking and weakening and violating the Sabbath, but he actually was speaking of God as being, in a special sense, his own father, making himself equal, putting himself on a level with God. In verse 24, Jesus is now in response to them and he says, I assure you most solemnly I tell you, the person whose ears are open to my words, who listens to my messages and believes and trusts in and clings to and relies on him who sent me, has and he possesses eternal life. I want to say to you there, where you are seated right now, where you are listening to this message, just think about this just for a moment. Right now where you are seated, you already have eternal life on the inside of you. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if He's your personal Savior on the inside of you right now, you have eternal life. And it carries on to say, and He does not come into judgment. He does not incur sentence of judgment, will not come under condemnation, but He has already passed over from death into life. I want to say to you, you've already passed from death into life. You know what's amazing? is that when you lay eyes on Jesus one day, you're going to see him as he is because you're going to be like him. I think we're going to be surprised one day when we do lay eyes on Jesus. And I don't know about you. I don't know what I'm going to do at that particular point in time, but I think I'm just going to fall flat on my face before him because I don't think words at that time will suffice. 
but you're going to realize how much you were like him already while you were on this side of heaven. Because in Colossians it says we have the manifestation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. I mean, how amazing is that? I think we need to realize again that we are eternal beings, that Jesus has made something good out of our lives. I want to take verse 37 and this verse 38 now in the line of what I just said. Jesus is still speaking. He says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Not one of you has ever given ear to his voice or seen his form, his face, and what he is like. You have always been deaf to his voice and blind to the vision of him. And you have not his word, his thought living in your hearts because you do not believe and adhere to and trust in and rely on him whom he has sent. That is why you do not keep his message living in you because you do not believe in the messenger whom he has sent. For a moment, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to show you the scripture in chapter, uh, chapter 4 verse 6. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to, be, as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and the glory of God as it is manifested in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Hold on a minute. You know what that is saying? That is saying that the glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. And when he said to Philip as well, he says, Philip, don't you know that once you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Once you've laid eyes on the Father, or on me, you've laid eyes on the Father. Jesus is saying to them here, you've never seen his form, you've never seen his face. David at one point in the psalm says, when I awake in the morning, I awake in your likeness. Folks, I want to say to you, you're the Pharisees and what Jesus was saying to them is if you had really known the Father, you would have known me because you would have known his face and you would have seen me and you would have looked at me and seen the face of the Father while looking at me. So I want to ask you today, how much of his glory, how much of who he is shines out from the inside of you through your face so that people can see the light that is in you that they may be drawn to him. In verse 44, he says, How is it possible for you to believe? How can you learn to believe? You are content and you seek and receive praise and honor and glory from one another. And yet you do not seek the praise and the honor and glory which come from him who alone is God. Towards the end of this chapter, Jesus now deals with the scriptures. He says, for if you believed and relied on Moses, you would believe and rely on me, for he wrote about me personally. But if you do not believe and trust his writings, how then will you believe and trust my teachings? How shall you cleave to and rely on my words? Here's the thing. When we look at the scriptures, they're supposed to lead us to him. You shouldn't just study the scriptures to know what to teach and what to preach. You should study the scriptures so that it leads you to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The outflow of the revelation of who they are in your life should be your ministry. Can I say that again? The outflow of who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is in your life should be the, the, the crux or then the impetus and power and anointing of your ministry. It should flow from that. I want to pray for us today and 
And I want to pray that the Lord will take this message today and really cement it in your heart. And why don't we today as people of God who are listening to this, if you are sick in body, if you are struggling with something something in your body and maybe it's something that's lingered for some time, I'm going to trust God with you today and remember Him who is the bubbling water, the bubbling spring on the inside of us. His healing will flow from the inside out. Father, today, I pray for every person that is sick in body. I pray for every person, even in their emotions, who have been attacked in the area of their emotions. And I pray that Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, the one who is King of kings and Lord of glory, and the great I am, and by whose stripes we are healed. Today, I pray for every sick person. And I pray that as they lay their hands on themselves right now, they in the area of the infirmity or sickness, that I pray that the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross of Calvary will flow through your body right now. I speak divine healing into every single body that is sick right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that your living waters will come up, come up from the inside of them and drive out any sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. I pray that they will be healed from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. I pray, Father, that every cell in their body will pulsate with the life that is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And I give you all praise and glory and honor for testimonies that will come from people that have been healed through this message because of who Jesus is. I honor you for this today, and I thank you for this, Father. Amen.